And half a day, and welcome to another episode of Live Till Five. And I know when you hear the song come on the radio, good things are about to happen. Of course, one more week here with a sub, I guess you could say, a substitute. Uh, I, I believe our, uh, the normal host, Jared Baldwin, will be actually back in this evening, uh, later tonight. Hopefully getting back in before the storm hitting Japan. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I hope you're having a good Friday afternoon or su- Saturday afternoon, possibly even a Sunday evening. Uh, but this is Live Till 5, a uh, live talk show, variety show that we host each Friday afternoon. And uh, we're looking forward to having a great time today. Uh, you are listening to 88.1 KHMG. Uh, again, it's about a little after 3 o'clock on this Friday afternoon. Uh, but we will play this two more times. We call it The Rebound Shows. Uh, but that'll be on noon to 2 on Saturdays, as well as 7 to 9 on Sunday nights. And if you're interested in hearing it after that, there is podcasts available uh, that you can get on our Facebook uh, as well and listen to it in other apps like TuneIn app and hear it live uh, or in the next couple times we play it. But it's good to have you here this afternoon. Uh, a lot of different things we're going to be talking about as we do each Friday. And, uh, and again, next week, Jared will be back. And I already know a piece of the show next week. I was actually going to try and bring it up this week, um, but he already he already had planned ahead, and it'll be a decent discussion about what goes on and uh, what are the pieces of the uh, micro games. What are the things happening there? And there will be a special guest actually on the show that was there and competed in them, and uh, I'm excited to actually hopefully be a part of that part of the show that he'll be up here for, but... Um, but that'll be next week, so you'll be want to sure to be sure to tune in and listen to that. But uh, this week, as far as if you're listening live on a Friday afternoon, it's pretty decent weather right now. But I know right now, also in the Pacific, uh, it, it looks a little a little rough right now. Um, I can't think of the name of the storm out there, the typhoon. It's I believe already a Category One right now, um, but there's about to be a typhoon hitting Japan. And um, it'll be the second one in probably that about two to three weeks. The one that came through on the 4th of July, um, Maria, we got the tropical storm bit, and they uh, took a pretty decent storm up there. This one sort of formulated after Guam, and uh, it's actually ramping up to be about a, a Category 2 by the time it hits the Japan coast. And the reason I'm paying attention specifically is because uh, at this time of year, uh, we have, and it's an exciting time of year for a lot of reasons, but we have a lot of our new staff coming in and returning staff that are coming back from, from uh, summer vacation. And uh, United and Delta and the other uh, airlines have their work cut out for them as they reroute people um, you know, here and there. We had our own little hiccup and I think if my wife comes up later today, I'll share the last couple days of our trip that we didn't get to two weeks ago uh, about our trip back out here. So I'll save that for then. But I do know this, that that traveling is is can be good and bad. It's got its positives and negatives. But when you have delays or reroutings, it doesn't make traveling that much fun. The vacation might have been great, but the trip itself, not so much. But uh, but we're hoping they get out here safely. We'll be praying for them over the weekend and look forward to having a great week next week. But enough of the enough of the here and now. Uh, let's talk about some different things, whether it be the history, whether it be uh, in the news, or the question of the day. I did this two weeks ago. It's not like it's a big trending thing with me in the show. But I have a question of the day and I have a story of the day. 
In fact, I have two stories of the day and a question of the day. Last time was, uh, what is Old Zealand? Uh, if there's a New Zealand, why is there an Old Zealand? And the story of the day was the rescuing of the football team or the soccer team that was in the cave there in Thailand. And uh, as far as I know, everything's still going well. But, uh, but today we're going to start with the question of the day. How do generations get their names? Now I'm reading this from a very much a just news story or 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 just reading this, and and so um, it's kind of interesting to think about at least what this author has to say um, about where these generations came. And you think, okay, how many generations names are there? Well, there's this, and there's this, and there's this. But when it comes down to it, as far as how many are referred to on a regular basis? There's basically two. And I'll explain myself in a minute. So let me read the article, and then I'll, I'll discuss a little bit. But, um, but this will be a question of the day. How do generations get their names? We all know that a millennial, we all know what a millennial is. There are stereotypes about what millennials do and do not like, how lazy they may or may not be, and how often they check their Twitter feeds. Again, I'm just reading this. This is, this is the author's notes. All because we're comfortable using the single term to refer to an entire age demographic. It's, it's cut off here. Of an entire population, basically. I am one, so I don't feel bad saying this either. Millennial is a powerful word, and not because of the age group it refers to, but because of just how useful it is. Like Gen X or Baby Boomer. There's no single or even typical way that generations historically get their names because lumping everyone who's roughly the same age together is a relatively new phenomenon. According to Peter Francis, a demographic and consumer markets expert, baby boomers boomers were the first named generation to exist. Those that came earlier, like the greatest generation that fought in World War II, were named retroactively. So in other words, they weren't saying this is the greatest generation in the 1940s. That's something that was named down the road, uh, whereas the baby boomers is different. It all started when the Census Bureau referred to the years between 1946 and 1964, so about twenty, uh, about 18 years of, of birth years, during which birth rates rocketed up from around 3 million a year to over 4 million a year as the post-war baby boom. As the kids born in this boom started to grow into adults and thus consumers, ad agencies found track, traction by marketing their products to so-called baby boomers. This would be the first and so far last time a generation's official name would come from a government organization. Eventually, as will inevitably happen to all of us, even the most maturity-challenged millennials, the baby boomers, got older and thus less appealing to companies with something to sell. The ad agencies wanted another catch-all term for the new members of their target age, age group and began shopping around different terms. They throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks, Francis says, and in the sum of the meetings... They don't stick. That's how Generation Y, a proto-term for millennials, went in and out of fashion. Gen Y was too difficult to really use, and for the most most part, ad agencies did too. They didn't think it was that good. So in 1991, Douglas Coupland wrote his book, Generation X, Tales for an Accelerated Culture, about the anonymity he and his contemporaries felt growing up in the shadow of the baby boomers, which is probably true. They were products of 10 to 12 years downturn in birth rates sandwiched between the boomers and the millennials. And although the term stuck with the generation pop, general population, the generation was the wrong size to matter much to marketers. So basically, in, in summary here, um, the generation currently being born and growing up, the term Generation Z has often been used as a placeholder, though the Pew Research 
um, Center recently redefined them as post-millennials and just beginning to acquire consumer value and will become more powerful in the coming years. When that happens, ad agencies will have a perfectly workshopped label ready to slap on spending reports and style section columns. So what you end up having here is terms that that were that were born out of necessity to to have a group of people that you're looking to pitch to, and so uh, they, they lump everybody out there, every every consumer. Uh, and when Millennial came out, it was in 2010, as far as the research in there, 2010, and it was 15 to 34 year olds. Um, <laughs> I find that to be an ironic age to be called that the consumer age because 75% of that group of folks don't have a lot of dollars that they made themselves. They have a few, but I mean, you get to age 22, by that point, either the money you have wasn't yours or the money you have now is still not yours because these either your parents or the banks or the student loan company. So really the last third is the one that's starting to actually have a job and money to, to buy things. But it is just interesting how 15 to 22, I guess it's about half, um, is still a huge consumer considered consumers or, or marketing uh, area simply because they're the ones that have the biggest want. <laughs> they have They have a lot of wants, and, and they're not even sure what a need is because they've been met so well by, by their parents for so many years. So anyways, we all went through, I would have considered myself to be a huge, uh, you know, buyer and shopper at that age. And most of it came from my allowance, which came from my parents. So the ad agencies are, are no dummies. Uh, they know how to get people. And by lumping everyone into one group that they can market to makes it a lot easier for them. And it makes it the things to buy for all the kids and, 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 and teens and folks in their 20s and 30s. Good, Chris. Now, I don't know if you... I've mentioned this before on this show when we've talked about generational um, data. Mm-hmm. And there's... Not only is there a bunch of books and research on the generations, but then there's a bunch of research and books written on the flaws in that research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the there's a book out there called The Millennial Myth... There's articles out there by like The Economist and several other magazines that have come out debunking a lot of the things that are well accepted regarding millennials. Mm -hmm. And the reason I tuned into those research projects was because there's a lot of ministry books Mm. regarding millennials and you'll hear people in ministry talking about and using the statistics that they get from those books. And it turns out we must be very, very skeptical of the research (laughs) on any generation as a whole, because they fail to take into account uh, the differences in region that people live in. turns out the United States is a huge, extremely diverse country. And when you do research on groups of people that's not wide enough, you tend to make generalizations that aren't accurate. And so uh, for every book that gives you the uh, statistics on millennials, there's a uh, book that uh, will blow holes in that research on millennials. And that's the problem with those large category generalizations. They have some Yeah, they basically pick 
a group they feel like they'd like to add or sell to, and then you have a, another small group or a decent-sized group around that that buys into that idea and sure. becomes that. And then you have everybody else around that that's like, well, that's not me, and you know, I'm good at not being me. Right. So, yeah, tagging a generation with anything uh, <laughs> is, is, is ridiculous. But, again, they've got to push product somehow. So, sure. so might as well just try to get as many to think that this is the thing and sell to that, and whoever gets it, gets it. And, sure. and obviously, stores are selling stuff like crazy, so it's working. <laughs> uh, as far as when it comes to ads, the research is a different discussion. Um, totally, totally different discussion here. Um, but just, I don't know. I didn't know where else to put it, so this is one of my two stories today. So I'm going to go through this story. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with, with one more story of the day, and then I'll get into a couple other things uh, here in the early parts of the show. The Lincoln administration turned down a chance to populate the United States with elephants. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. I've been to Thailand. Elephants are the most unique animal I've been around simply because they're bigger than you think they're going to be. Um, we, we took an elephant ride, my wife and I, this is, this is about a year and a half ago now. Um, they're just, they're just powerful. Um, th- that, that may be it. Maybe not their size, just, just how big and strong these animals are. Could you imagine if they were all over the United States? Yes, of course they're in, they're in, um, zoos. I get that. But, but let me read this article here. This is interesting. When Abraham Lincoln's administration moved into the white house, they turned down what could have been the greatest gift of all the chance to populate the United States with wild elephants in 1861. So this is during the civil war. Lincoln received a pile of swag from King Samdek pra paremder maha mogut of the country known as Siam, which is today now in the Thailand, uh, Laos region. You might know him better for his role in the hit musical, the King and I, which fictionalized his relationship with English governess Anna Lewenis, uh, Leonowens, uh, which is not a, a story you bring up if you're in Thailand. Um, yeah, just side note. What is true is that Magut was eager to get to know the West better. During his, region, during his reign, he managed to open up and begin modernizing Siam. He sent along a pile of lavish gifts from a pre- precious handmade sword to photos of himself and his daughter uh, to two gigantic elephant tusks. But much more meaningful was the king's offer to send a a generous stock of elephants that could be bred in American soil. It's no wonder Magut offered that gift. Um, Pachyderms were not only native to what is now Thailand, but were also prized as important and valuable creatures. That is something you'll see there, is the elephant is everywhere, Uh, both um, in painting and in statue and in just it's on everything. In fact, I had, (laughs) well, okay, I'll tell a little story here. I have a pair of pants. They're called elephant pants. A lot of people wear them over there. They're very light. Um, they're almost like a, a linen capri. And again, I, I preface this entire story with the fact that I have a pair. Um, but the short story, those of you that haven't heard it, is one of the days we were going to go to the temple, and it's with the government complex. It's kind of all in one. It's one t- big tour. So you go to the main temple there, and then you can go into the um, government complex side of things and see it all uh, right there in the middle of Thailand or Bangkok. And um, Lindsay had heard, done a little reading about that this is a thing. You have to have your shoulders covered and upper arm as well as your legs um, for men. 
I think. I think it might be both, but I know for men because I showed up with decent length shorts. I mean, they were at least to the knee. I, I, I mean, I don't remember, but it wasn't pants. I was in shorts and a t-shirt. And I tried getting in the middle of a big tour group. The problem is, is when you're six two, American guy in the middle of a non-American tourist group that are all about five four on average, the guard standing there checking the dress of everyone, I, I stuck out like a sore thumb. So he called me out and told me to go across the street and buy a pair of pants. And so sure enough, fifteen dollars later, probably about you know four hundred baht later, uh, I have my black and gold elephant pants that I, I wore over my shorts <laughs> through the entire complex. So that that's my quick aside. Uh, let me finish this up here. So he writes this. Uh, it occurred to us that if uh, on the continent of America, we're, sorry, there should be several pairs of young male and female Africa uh, elephants turned loose in forest. After a while, they will increase till there be large herds. As by this way, this is the king writing. After a while, they will increase till there be large herds, as there are here on the continent of Asia until the inhabitants of America will be able to catch them and tame them, use them as beasts of burden, making them to benefit the country. Lincoln's reply, which is penned by Secretary of State William Seward, which is the same guy uh, that invested in Alaska, uh, Seward's folly, the same guy here. I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking this would have been the guy to, to pull the plug on this purchase. Yeah, Get Alaska, get some elephants. I mean, this guy would be famous for many things. He definitely informed McGut that his gifts belonged by rights to the American people and would be placed in the National Archives. As for the elephants, the administration definitely dodged the issue altogether. Bummer. Um, Wonder what that letter said. I don't know. Uh, Sorry, we just spent all our money on on, on Alaska. We can't support (laughs) elephant elephants here i I don't know what that would have said um we're gonna take a short break here when we get back we're gonna realize people do dumb things people are in jail for dumb things we're gonna realize that well we're gonna we're gonna remember it we're gonna look at it and 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 i don't know how many things top what this guy has done stay tuned we'll see in a bit And we're back with some more Live Till 5. We had to take a little break there. That got to be a longer session because I started telling stories. We were talking millennial, which is always a conversation that could go on for the entire entirety of Live Till 5. Um, and, and and you're listening to Live Till 5, 88.1 KHMG. I am uh, hosting this week Lawrence Nangast in place of Jared Baldwin. Uh, Chris Harper's here, a radio manager, is on the board. And uh, so he'll be in and out with with uh, comments and conversation today. And then I think Sebastian will be in a little bit later with the quiz. And there might even be another uh, one of my wife's sightings here. I, I don't know if she's going to be able to commit. Pretty busy Friday afternoon. But um, but anyways, before we move on to a, a, a story that a gentleman, it, it's hard to believe. I'll get to that in a second. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to go back to our last story 
on the Lincoln administration and actually read to you part of the letter Seward wrote. Because as in any time when you're declining something, it is difficult to just flat out say no. You want to have a couple reasons. So let me read what he wrote here. What he wrote here. Uh, it's pretty good. In regards to the elephant gift the, yes. from if Thailand. Yes, if you're just tuning in, yes. uh, the king of Thailand, or Siam at the time, gave a lot of gifts to America, and one of them was, or one he desired to give, was a number of elephants to, in his words, hopefully breed and become a beast of burden usable across the United States. So the administration deftly dodged the issue altogether by writing, this government would not hesitate to avail itself of so generous an offer if the object were one which could be made practically useful in the present condition of the United States. They are at war, by the way, but still. Uh, if it was, it was, um, um, I just forgot, Hannibal, he'd have said, sure, get, get him over here, I'll use him in the battle. But uh, anyways, <laughs> Seward wrote, our political jurisdiction, however, does not reach a latitude so low as to favor the multiplication of the elephant. And steam on land as well as on water has been our best and most efficient agent of transportation in internal commerce. So in other words, as I was saying this in the, during the break to Chris, we're too far north, if you didn't know, our, 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 juris, our political jurisdiction does not reach a latitude so low. We're too far north to help uh, hopefully safely breed the elephants, and our technology is a little bit more modified and advanced than the elephant. Thanks for the offer, is pretty much what he said in so many words, So, and, and deftly put, as the article says. What about this guy here? What about 53-year-old Gilberto Escamilla? He's employed at Daryl B. Hester Juvenile Detention Center in San Benito, Texas, until August 2017. When it was discovered, they had been placing orders for fajitas using county funds and then selling them for his own profit since December 2008. Nine years of fajita smuggling. Or, or, or fajita black market here. Grand Theft Fajita. Yeah, Grand Theft Fajita. When sentenced on Friday, Escamilla was served with the maximum fine of $10,000 on top of the $1.25 million he was ordered to pay back for the cost of the fajitas. According to the Brownsville Herald, Escamilla's scheme unraveled last August after a delivery driver with Labette Food Service phoned the detention center to give kitchen employees a heads up that an 800-pound delivery of fajitas had arrived. Employees immediately thought the delivery to be suspicious as minors at the detention center are not served fajitas. Ooh, wrong food choice. Get something that's at least being served there somewhat. However, the delivery driver insisted that it had been delivering fajitas to the detention center's kitchen for the past nine years. After being fired and arrested, Escamilla's house was searched by police who found packages of the fajitas in his refrigerator. It was selfish. It started small and got bigger and out of control, he said. It got to the point where I couldn't control it anymore. I'd say. Texas State District Judge J. Manuel Benales, who was handed down the sentence, dismissed an additional theft charge as part of the earlier plea deal made by Escamilla. Because Escamilla stole more than $200,000 worth worth of goods, the crime is the first-degree felony and allows for a sentencing of up to 99 years in prison. Yikes. At the end of the day, a Texas man is is, um, guilty of stealing $1.2 million in fajitas while acting in public servant has been sentenced to 50 years in prison. $1.2 million in fajitas. In a nine-year fajita market. That's... 
That's a lot of chicken and that's, salsa right that's there. That's hefty, man. Yeah. Now, he's in the right state. Do you like fajitas, Sebastian? He's just uh, joining us here. Sebastian, our quiz master, our board um, when necessary guy. Uh, <laughs> board as in the sound board is what I'm talking Oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. I'm only bored when I need to be. Yeah, they're yeah. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love fajitas. You know, I, it's right. part of my blood. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so he's in the right location. Uh, it's a great dish. Uh, they can be made a lot of different ways, but $1.2 million. My point, even when you divide that, that's still over $100,000 a year on fajita purchases using county funds. No one noticed. It's amazing that that's what he limited himself to, right? So he, he, he decides what he's going to get into is fajitas. You know, it's like... When you do something a more yeah. high dollar, you know, you would, you would, but something? then that first year, you know, a solid hundred thousand dollars income, I, you know, he just didn't stop. <laughs> he just couldn't stop. I, I yeah, I don't know, I don't know what um, what goes know. through the mind of yeah. a criminal. I don't. Yeah, just in two thousand eight, he said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy three fajitas here on the county fund, and then it turned into wow, people really wanting to buy these things, and then after a while. <laughs> Full on one point two million dollars. Wow. Wow. Is right. Well, <laughs> we have another little section that I'm gonna do today. That um I'm gonna I'm gonna divide up this during the show. So I'm gonna do about four or five right now. I'll come back to some at the top of the hour maybe and maybe get a couple in the next hour. But um but I'm gonna go through some slang terms used for just for just everyday things in the United States oh uh, by state it's just one term per state and I'm gonna wa- I'm gonna see if these two gentlemen being from different states how long did you live in Alaska 10 years in Alaska okay so that would give you a decent um, oh, I'll probably know those yeah yeah well there's just one so I'm gonna yeah. see if, if you would I, know, I would know that, yeah. if you would know I think at least what it means and, and maybe even be able to guess uh, one Um and then we're going to go to what what state did you live most in your life? Illinois. Illinois. Let me find that. Here. And of course I'm Washington too because I grew up in Washington state. Oh, that's true. That's true. We can we could look at that one. Yeah, I was there um, 20 I also lived 20 in Texas years. a little bit too. For okay. some, for some yep. of my life. And then um and then I'm going to we won't go through all these uh here in this minute, but uh for Alaska. What term do you think would be like a, a, a term that Alaskans are going to use that nobody else is really going to know. And I'll give you a hint and see if you can guess the term. Well, I've already used some here and then realized people don't get that. Like if I say snow machine, that actually means snowmobile. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, snowmobile is all I Yeah, I think know. of a snowblower. Or people also call it a snow-go, which people don't understand no, here I, either. That, that's almost uh, a snow globe. And, of course, on Guam, people don't get that one anyway. But Or... Um, or they well, I won't get into all of them. But yeah. anyway, go ahead. Uh, this is a newcomer to Alaska and knows little about living there. A chichaco. Yeah, chichaco. <laughs> of course, that's that's the wow. Alaskan. That's the Alaskan term there. That's one of the first things you learn when you get there. Yeah, is, is stop is being a chichaco. Everyone, right. Is that what everyone calls you when you first get there? Uh, well, people tend to think they know everything about Alaska, and they're really outdoorsy people when they get to Alaska, and then they don't. They fail to comprehend the scope. And the uh, difficulty of life in Alaska, 
And um, so it, there's some arrogance to a Chichaco uh, in addition <laughs> to their, uh, their state of being a newcomer. So let's go, let's go to uh, this next one is from Colorado. It's a term for a novice skier. I might have heard this because I used to have some guys I lived with in Alaska. Yeah, who that were from there. Would go in the winter. Who would go in the winter to Colorado and like ski bomb in Colorado. Uh, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I can't think of it. I off think the it's. Top of my I can't head. read if this is an O or an A, but I think it's a gaper. Oh or really? A, or a gapper? Oh, I don't um, know that one. Is a term for a novice skier. Gapper. Um, ever heard of bagging up? <laughs> wow, bagging up. Bagging up is a term in Delaware. For laughing, so I was bagging up when she told me that joke. Wow, that's I've never bagging up. Never bagging up, dying laughing. Um, Everyone's bagging up right now out know. there. I How know. about chitlins? Oh, that's a familiar. That's a familiar term. That's down there in Georgia. They that uh, there's a term for children in Georgia is chitlins. Chitlins. <laughs> <laughs> really? Why can't we just say that here too? Yeah. Um, you can feel free to use these anytime, Sebastian. I, yes, we'll have a baby boy on the way. So. Work him into conversation. My little chitlin. Uh, and then <laughs> the last one here um, I'm going to share for now is from my home state of Michigan. And uh, I would have said you, you would have probably not even had to give me a uh, clue or a hint. Uh, but what do you think a youper means? Um, well, I know because of Dr. Olala. Right, oh, right. Yeah. And that's all you need to know. Upper Peninsula. Yeah. Somebody from the Upper they're Peninsula. For, yeah. If they're a youper, which Dr. O is, Doc yep. O, uh, if they're a youper, you're from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So I'll, I'll come back with uh, a few more of those later on in the show. But um, just some interesting slang terms for, for just random things like uh, Chichaco. If you didn't hear that, it's a person who needs some lessons in alaska on how to live there and how to abide there uh one more thing we're going to do before we take a quick break we'll be back with a little bit of a uh, this day in history and possibly the quiz um is one thing i didn't get to last week on our museum discussion two weeks ago two weeks ago thank you two weeks <laughs> last week was beaches it was two weeks ago on museums um but i wanted to get back to this because i i thought it was interesting but um, but you have 11 museums devoted to everyday objects. I'm going to go through about two or three here, and then we'll take a break. But um, one is the Pencil Museum. Yes. In Keswick, Cumberland, is home to the Cumberland Pencil Company, producer, producer of Derwent colored art pencils and a number of other pencils art. So the Pencil Museum houses the world's longest colored pencil. It's a yellow one. <laughs> and is home of the world's first pencil. I don't know how you make that claim, but they do. As having it. Um, how about the Sidon Soap Museum? This was once a factory and is now a chronological history of soap making. Boy, I tell you what, this is riveting. This makes good radio right here. When you're talking about museums, people are just dying to get to here. How about the Lumina Domestica Lamp Museum? Interior lighting is nice to have, though we mostly don't think about it. Lumina Domestica wants to change that. And with its collection of 6,500-plus interior lamps dating from prehistory to Ikea, it clearly surpasses any other museum in the goal. Prehistory? 
What? Prehistory. Before history began. I guess. Well, I know what that means. It includes <laughs> torches. lamps? Oh, just torches? It includes okay. torches, oil lamps, incandescents, and LEDs. Okay. What? Okay, so it has torches in it. So what? Is that just a log they lopped off? And, Why didn't you know, they just say torches? Torches. Yeah, that's prehistory. Now, the other ones that I did not mention is the Solba International Museum of Toilets. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. A couple others are Lock Museum of America. I know that sounds awesome. Yes. The Zhangzhou Quan Scissors Museum. Hmm. The Frank and Jane Clement Brick Museum. Believe it or not, bricks have fascinating history. And the market for rare brand bricks is better than you might expect. In fact, there was this one thing. I don't know if you guys are, you guys have heard of the company Supreme. Uh, I've seen people yeah, wearing they, hats they wear them. They're, they're yeah. in, it's an sorry, incredibly I expensive. Of pizza. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> you're probably hungry. Um, it's a company. I don't know where they're ultimately based out of, but uh, it's one of those where because it's a limited supply and and certain people start wearing it, the price of it is, is unbelievable. But they were selling bricks with their logo stamped on it for about a couple hundred bucks. I think about a year ago. Uh, so I don't know bricks. I guess they have some value. Uh, oh, Lee yeah. Maxwell Washing Machine Museum, um, the Bottle and Can Opener Museum, um, Harrod Duncombe Museum celebrates the ornamental hair combs as well as eyelash, eyebrow, beard, and mustache combs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Great. Eyelash combs. Come and see them in Switzerland. And lastly, it's the Madisonian Museum of Industrial Design. So these are all just, and that one makes sense to me. That's that would be the one out of all these that I'd be like, okay, that's the the designs that have been over time. Have you and, um, have you heard of this, uh, Sebastian? They had a mustard museum in Wisconsin. Really, you could go to the the mustard museum. See anything? I don't food, remember what it was called, but anything food makes me feel like it might be worth it. Yeah, because at least you're going to have a snack. Uh, like going to the museum and the world of Coke last week or two weeks ago, we talked about that. That's great because you get a ton of Coke to drink at the end. Right. But a scissors museum? I yeah. don't know. Don't what run with scissors. What am I going to do? Cut things here? I guess. I guess. That's about, <laughs> that's about it. We're going to take a real short break here. When we come back, we'll do some This Day in History. Some accidents may happen. Maybe talk about a few more slang terms and get into our quiz. Stay tuned. Listen to the KHMG 88.1 Live Till 5. for another segment of Live Till 5 on this Friday afternoon, July 27th. A little hard to believe we are only a few days away from August. And it's one of those times where, as an educator, <laughs> for everybody else that just sort of works 12 months of the year, get your vacation when you need to take it, just another month. In fact, it's even better because it's another month closer to Christmas. It's nearly fall if you're in the northern uh, part of, uh, well, I guess fall is fall, but... 
the colors are about to change in about a month and a half or two. Um, but for educators, for people involved in education, August is unique. Because <laughs> uh, by the end of it, we'll be two and a half weeks into school. We'll be looking at Labor Day as one day of vacation as opposed to weeks of it in June and July. Uh, everybody will be settling in for the long haul, I guess you could say. But at the same time, it's exciting. Um, I look at August as an exciting time of year. It's new. It's a uh, new grade for all the kids. They're excited. They're, they're excited for about two weeks, and then they're like, okay, this homework's getting old already. But um, in all reality, it is exciting being here July 27th. Uh, Jared Baldwin will be back next week, as I said uh, in the last segment, with a special guest amongst all the other sort of fun things that are going on on a Friday afternoon between 3 and 5. But today, we're going to get to some live till 5. Uh, I'm sorry, some this day in history of what happened uh, on July 27th um, throughout history. And uh, one of the first things here is uh, in 1643, Oliver Cromwell defeats the Royalists at Battle of Gainsborough. Um, he was kind of the outsider. Um, the folks didn't like the direction the government was headed, so it was pretty much a coup. But as English history has it, they don't really say it like that. But that's kind of what happened is he took over. And, and then when he died, they didn't really know what to do. They, they said, do we go with his son? Do we go with back to the original monarchs? And that's what they did. And they were fine with that, uh, even though they were Catholic. Um, I won't go too deep into this until uh, one of them had uh, no sons. And they're like, fine, this will be the end of the Catholicism in England. But then he got married when he was in his 60s, I believe, and had a kid. <laughs> and they're like, great. We, we thought we were going to be able to put anybody we wanted on the throne. Now he has a son. And that's where the glorious revolution started. And they brought William of Orange and um, William Mary over from Germany. And they made a law that you don't have to be English to be the king or queen of England anymore. And that's where that started. And why was it called the Glorious Revolution? Well, it was called the Glorious Revolution, the Bloodless Revolution, all because there wasn't any fighting. It was just a change, which is what revolution means. So, What a blessing. Yeah. 1794, <laughs> Maximilian Robespierre is overthrown in a coup, speaking of coups, in Paris. And uh, this dude, not too many people in history since the Roman Empire do I think of as just being nasty, nasty people in history. You know, corrupt, cruel. Uh, but Maximilian Robespierre basically built a killing machine called the French Revolution, who did away with anybody they didn't like. And they started to basically turn on themselves. And the machine got so out of hand that it turned on its creator, him. And, and he was actually killed at the guillotine um, in, 19, in 1995. Or, I'm sorry, 1795, I believe. 1995. Yeah, just recently. <laughs> um, no, he, uh, he, uh, it got out of hand to where he even couldn't control it. And, um, and then that's when it left room for Napoleon Bonaparte to step in and say, ah, I'm betting the uh, knight in shining armor you guys have been waiting for. Arrives on a white horse. Um, yeah, interesting. Tax Russia. Yeah. 1890, Dutch painter Vincent van Gogh shoots himself in all their and dies of injuries two days later. Uh, I believe he's also the same guy that lost his ear. Uh, so poor Vincent. He could paint, but... He lost his ear? Well, I don't know how it happened. He it got cut off. removed his ear. He cut off and his own he ear. He cut off his own ear, yeah. That's threw it the, in the trash. That's the theory. Knowingly yeah. lost, and then... That's crazy. Once it's in the trash can. <laughs> in 1909, over Orville Wright, 
test the first U.S. Army airplane flying for an hour and 12 minutes. Um, that'd be pretty cool. That's confidence. Um, yeah, and that's not been too long after they invented <laughs> it. I think it was about three years after they invented the first uh, airplane uh, that was worth flying, and three years later the Army is looking to invest. Can I drop bombs from it? <laughs> um 1965, President Lyndon B. Johnson signs a bill requiring cigarette makers to print health warnings on all cigarette packages about the effects of smoking. Um, Obviously, at that time uh, and into the 70s and 80s, it was rare if you weren't smoking. (laughs) Um, A lot of of people were smoking back then, and it is now not so much a spread habit across. Most of the people don't do it anymore, but back when that was signed... It was, it was a habit that a lot of people had. Uh, the last thing I have here um, is 2017, so one year ago. Something good. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos briefly becomes world's richest, richest man at 91.4 billion, overtaking Bill Gates for half a day. Now, if I if I'm not mistaken. He's just done it again recently, only this time it's he's the richest man. Um, and it's like at $114 billion now, uh, I want to say. but So he is considered to be, Jeff Bezos is considered to be the richest man in the world. Um, which is not shocking. Amazon is huge. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. That's a good note to end on. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was this day no, in history. No one died. No one died, which no. this has a lot in there. Uh, about that well i'm going to do one more thing here before we go into our quiz and then we'll be end the, ending in the top of the hour i think we have time for all that yeah seven uh, minutes sure yeah and why not almost nine minutes yeah. Yeah. but i'll read one i'm going to do a food a food article it's actually a sauce in 1823 two chemists opened up a shop in worcester england john lee and william perrins called their establishment Lee and Perrins. The, stores was sim- the store was similar to today's American drugstores. One day, a nobleman called Lord Sandys came, home, came into the shop. He had been in India and asked the chemist to make up a recipe he had brought back from Bengal. Mr. Lee and Mr. Pepper, uh, Perrins prepared Lord Sandys' sauce and poured it into jars, making a little extra for themselves. When they tasted the sauce, they thought it was terrible. Probably since it was already in jars, they didn't throw the stuff out, but took the jars to the cellar and forgot about them. Sometime later, they rediscovered the jars by now coated with dust. Before throwing them out, Mr. Lee and Mr. Perrins tasted the sauce once again. It was wonderful. The liquid had aged and matured. The sauce had almost been garbage, quickly gained a reputation, and was sold all over the world as Worcester, Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, or wow. wor- yeah. When, you're, when, yeah. I, when I don't read it in front of me, Worcestershire. Yeah. But I want to say Worcestershire because <laughs> that's what it looks phonetically. You know, so. this is encouraging. So if anyone out there has a drink in their refrigerator that they've just completely ignored for the last couple months. I feel like I feel like this is a personal testimony here. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should just give it a drink because that's yeah. what they did. Yeah. And and it it might be worth selling. Yeah, I don't know. The <laughs> chemicals that are in things today don't usually help make things become better. Uh, but yeah, that that is uh worse to sure. It's a good sauce. It just reminds me of Chex Mix. We um, we had it in our in our uh, chili the other night. We put some Worcestershire sauce right it's on good. your chili. Nice and tangy. It's great. Delicious. Well, 
let's go ahead and try to do the quiz. Let's do this. And then uh, we got about six, seven minutes. I think it's going to be a hard quiz. Ooh, it's only five. It's okay. No, 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 no. No. Wait, uh, this is correct. It's, it's right okay. around seven minutes okay. we have left. We're good. Take it away, Sebastian. Well, it's time for a quiz. Sorry, there's my theme music. Oh, your theme playing. music. Oh, it's yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Whoops. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. I can lamely come in like that. <laughs> I apologize. Walk in the door lame. Or, okay. Here, let's start this out. Question number one. Uh, there's no multiple choice here, by the way. So Ooh. good luck. <laughs> what race is known as the most exciting two minutes in sports? Uh, it's a race. And it's the most exciting two minutes. In sports. In sports. Wow. Two minutes, huh? Well, if it's on foot, that's a decent length. Uh, it's less than a mile, but I don't know if it's like... Is it is it drag racing? Something like that? Like the... Drag racing is like nine, six seconds. Oh, is it don't... Yeah, you're right. Oh, you know what? I bet it's it's got to be um, the Kentucky Derby. Oh, could it's be. It's probably a horse race. You know what? I'll let you guys work together on these. The Kentucky Derby is correct. Oh, yes. Work. Wow, you're so smart. Question number two. Who invented dynamite? It's an ironic... It's, a, it's, it's a an person? ironic name. By, well, it's ironic who made it because they're also known for something else. Hmm. hmm. Who invented dynamite? That thing well, that explodes. They're known for something else. Hmm. And it's ironic, huh? Yes. So something this else. This thing that brings destruction. Are you saying that something else they created blew up in their face? N- uh, no. Maybe. Sense? Maybe. In a oh. sense, yeah. Maybe in a sense. <laughs> I, I don't know this one. I do I know. know it's. It, uh, I know the Chinese, I thought, were the first credited with it. But I don't know. Wow. I, that, I well, just, they came up with gunpowder. All right. Well, I'm going to give it to you here. Well. Give is the it answer. is it is it Guy Fox or no. something? Or? The correct answer is Alfred Noble. Oh. <laughs> oh, and if you know Alfred Noble was born in Stockholm, Sweden, on October twenty first, eighteen thirty three. He was an armaments manufacturer, chemist, engineer, and innovator. Upon his death, he left his fortune to fund the Nobel Prizes. Oh, each year these prizes are awarded throughout the world to men and women who contribute to the pursuit of peace, literature, medicine, chemistry. And physics. I thought you meant ironic, like they were going to use it to blow something up, like Guy Fox. No. Next question: If you wanted <laughs> to take a gondola ride down the Grand Canal, what city would you have to visit? Venice. Yeah, Venice. Yeah, just yeah. an easy one because that last one was hard. Venice, Italy is correct. If you want to go on a gondola ride, a gondola, gondola, granola, Venice, Italy. All right. The word Bible comes from the Greek biblion. What does biblion mean? Um, Book. Yeah, story. Which one is it? I can't take two answers. I got to take one. Oh, are we working with, we're, we're working together. Nope. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, go with book. Wow, good job, guys. It's book. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was book. All right, next question. Name the four main human blood groups. Uh, A, B, O, A, B. A, B, A? Yes, yes, B, yes, yes, yes. A, B, A, O. B, A, B, and O. Mm-hmm. Correct. I have O positive in case anyone. In case you're bleeding to death. Yeah, you have O positive? Yeah, my I dad's, know this. My dad's O as well. <laughs> You'd be surprised at the number of people that don't know their own blood type. All right, the next question is, the Dewey Decimal System is used to categorize what? Um, books. Yeah, in the library. Yeah. Books. Wow, good job, everyone. It's books. You guys win. Congratulations. 
Thanks, dude. Came over. That was a that was a, a radical quiz there. Why are you trying to go so fast? I could tell you were trying to because, speed things up. Well, I'm sorry. I just I don't I can't see the time, and I'm afraid. Now we have two minutes left. No, no you're no, lying. No, we do. Look, now what shall we do? Oh, I could. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't minutes. see. I can't see. Well, from I can this give angle. a couple more slang words here because that was a real. Right, let's hit. talk about blood type here. Have you ever given blood? Uh, yeah, multiple times in college. Yeah. And yeah. and when they come walking into the thing, okay, so you interview and so you give all your information, but then they come walking up with that needle, and it, you can, like, see down the needle. Yeah. It's so Ooh. big. And of course. Have you given blood? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was going to say, they yeah, love to give blood. Actually, the first time I... universal donor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time I gave blood, um, I was convinced to just, hey, go give blood. I was like, okay. And then um, I... Didn't realize you're not supposed to work afterwards or whatever. And so I went and worked at Subway for the next eight hours after I gave blood. (laughs) (laughs) And nearly passed out is what I'm guessing happened. Yeah. And that was a mistake. Oh, but have you ever felt that that bag that it goes in the blood? Yeah, it's it's like warm. Yeah. Yes. It should be ninety eight some degrees. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's uh pretty intense. But yeah, uh you should know your own blood type in case, you know, you're bleeding and people need to know. I think that's important. Moral of the story this hour. Yeah. (laughs) Know your blood types, everyone. (laughs) Well, I hope you've enjoyed, excuse me, I hope you've enjoyed this first hour of Live Till 5. We've had a good time, been all over the place today. But when we get back, we'll be hitting our theme, which is going to be game shows. Uh, We'll probably have one more guest in the show uh, if she decides to come on up. And then we'll go maybe over a couple more state slang words. And uh, we might even talk about who owns the moon. All that in the second hour. Stay tuned. You're listening to Live Till 5, KHMG 80.1, Harvest, Family Radio. The second hour of Live Till 5, your normal regular host, I don't know if he's normal, but your usual host, Jared Baldwin, is getting back on island even tonight, so he should be back with you next week. I know I'll be looking forward to that, but uh, I've been your host this past hour, Lawrence Nangast, with help of Sebastian Bazaldu and Chris Harper, and uh, I hosted about two weeks ago. We had a lot of fun talking about our vacation. Uh, My wife and I were up here. And uh, and this time, we're going to go into the second hour here. Got a few different things we're going to talk about. One of our main themes this hour is going to be game shows, and I've got some uh, some factual information and some stories and some did you knows about game shows uh, that we'll spend a majority of the time with. But uh, you are listening to live till five. Uh, it is a live talk variety show that we do every Friday afternoon from three to five o'clock in the afternoon. It does. Rebound on Saturday afternoon at noon to 2, and then Sunday evening from 7 to 9. Uh, so if you're unable to catch any of the parts today, go ahead and join us back for that. If you'd like to find the podcast of these shows, we do um, put them on our webpage. And, uh, and then there's things connected on Facebook, uh, khmg.org um, is, our, is our website, and, and, uh, and there's things you can find there as well besides this show that are good uh, quality material. And uh, But we're happy to have you with us this afternoon 
And uh, these guys are sticking around here for most of the next hour. And um, and then, like I said, Jared will be back next week. But anyways, in the second hour, uh, I'm going to take most of the time to go over uh, our theme. And um, the funny part about this is I, I found an article I wanted to do, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make the whole thing about game shows. Uh, why not? And uh, and I'll, sh- I'll tell you, after I go over the history of game shows a little bit here, what article I found that got me interested in doing an entire, well, at least a partial hour on this. I will say, um, if our guest does come up, that I will take a break and talk about the last little bit of our uh, trip that we didn't get to Vacay. two weeks ago. Yeah, but um, but for now, we're going to press on. A game show is a type of radio, television, or stage show, which we did one right before the top of the hour. We had our own game show in which contestants individually or as teams play a game. So nowadays, uh, what are some of the staples? What are some of your guys' favorite uh, game shows uh, that if you it was on, you don't necessarily go looking for it, but if it's on the TV, you'd enjoy watching it? Well, you know, one of the first things you know how to identify game shows with their music. That's and, true. Um, it's very catchy. Yeah, it's very recognizable. At, something we didn't have at the end of the first hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no bitterness noted here. Yeah, um, but, yeah. Uh, game shows, man. I I know. Growing up, I I watched Two Wants to Be a Millionaire. Uh, yep, a couple that times. was probably the okay. show. That one and the Weakest Link. One, you, do you remember the Weakest Link? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, yeah sure. and she always had some witty, um, witty comeback or witty. Yeah, uh, where she'd cut him out. You know, someone's. One French fry short of a Happy Meal, something like that. You or, are the weakest link. Or a brick short of a full <laughs> load. Or the, you are not the sharpest knife in the door. Yeah, all those things. She had one for everyone that lost the show. Um, and then Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which I'll talk, talk about more a little bit later. Our guest is here, so we're yeah, prompting. Yeah, we were, we were coaxing her into the it – was, it was like a young, a young – fawn being coaxed <laughs> into the barn for the first time into the barn yeah you put a fawn in the barn well that's how that's how rare it is <laughs> come so that's how rare it is. come come to the barn welcome thank you yeah i'm no so glad mic. you joined us there we I, go i'm so I glad you joined us to be up here <laughs> i know it was an impromptu deal but we're having a good time this afternoon we're talking about game shows so oh, i figured yeah. you like those right i did like those growing what are up. what are game shows you remember when you uh when you were growing up Double Dare. Oh, yeah. That's coming back, right? Uh, they just are reproducing that recently. What is that? It'll be called Triple Dare. Double Dare? dare? Yeah, Correct. it should be. It? Oh, it was like family. <laughs> did did Mark Summers? Uh, Mark Summers was yeah. the host, and it, they would. Um, it's a family two families thing. Uh-huh. would go at it. I don't know. It was kind of like a slime, and I don't there know. There was do you questions, and then dare? there was a lot of, uh, a lot of activities that involved slime, and, yeah. you know, they'd like guess a things. It would drop on them yeah. it was just like an obstacle course or yeah, it was a nickelodeon show oh, nickelodeon. Yeah, nickelodeon. oh i do know i think i do know that you'd then. recognize I remember it. slime you'd it recognize is coming it. back though double dare is coming back yeah newsflash also um legends of the hidden temple oh yeah for sure that i wanted to be super fun. in fact when we were kids we tried recreating that game show in our backyard with our neighbors it, it was not nearly as good but did you did you ever heard of that show? Never Legends heard of, of it. Temple. No, that's must be Legends of the Wednesday Temple. night. Wednesday night at six o'clock. We were always bummed we had to leave before it was over. I think that was Nickelodeon? a Nickelodeon as well. <laughs> oh, Nickelodeon. Yeah. I watched a lot of Nickelodeon growing up. Had some up. sweet <laughs> shows back in the day, but this one that you had two teams. It was um, a, a couple, 
uh, whether it be you know a couple girls, a couple boys mixed. Um, and they were a team. They had these t- sweet T-shirts on. They were all different colors with an animal on the front. The so you had monkeys. the silver monkeys and the purple barracudas and the green uh, uh, jaguars. Or you know, it yeah. was just that. It was just super basic. But they would do these three challenges, and um, the winners would get these coins, these um, passes. And the one that got the most got to run through the temple, which is just an obstacle course. Like an Indiana Jones sort of thing. Exactly. Theme like that. And they would have these little, like, you know, temple guards come out and grab them. But if they had a pass, they could give it to them and keep yeah, running. I forgot. Of, yeah, yeah. You're, that's Good a times. great description so then they, then they then they would get to the middle of it and, and put their hand on the buzzer and win, win. And I don't know what Sebastian, they won. no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. No, uh, you're reminding me of uh, a show called Wipeout, which is kind of based off of another show. Yeah. I love that. Wipeout's it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a hilarious like version of yeah, like that American, one's, that American was Ninja Warrior or something like that. They had that, I think, in Japan um, prior to coming to the United States. Oh, yeah, they did. exactly uh, what, I, I watched that one, too. What that so. is. But <laughs> hilarious. To the article, we are going to get to the last couple days of our vacation just as a recap. Oh, boy. It's it's not it's not that long, <laughs> but I wanted to get to the article that kind of started this entire game show discussion, and it was eight things you might not know about Vanna White. I don't even know Vanna White. What? Well, <laughs> this is so education. Nine things <laughs> I didn't even know, know her name. <laughs> her name Chris, is you one. Know Vanna White. Yes, uh, yeah. Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Yes, yes. She's the lady that. I don't watch had, lame. She that is not lame. That's sorry. very educational. They, they <laughs> I have just to guess offended letters. all of our yeah. listeners Lano, who love that show. I'm sorry. Whenever I saw, I was like, "This is an old person show." Really? No. It has been around. I, a long I was time. a kid when I when I said that. Pat Sajak and Vanna White <laughs> are like iconic. Yeah, game show. Them host. and Alex Trebek, and and um, Bob, um, from Price Is Right. <laughs> Um, Bob Barker. Bob Barker. There we go, buddy. Those guys are like the the epitome of 10 o'clock a.m. weekday trivia. Or, or that was when Price is Right and then Jeopardy and, and Wheel of Fortune would come on at 6 and 7 at night, I think. I was always at my grandparents' house and they had these on. But anyways, and then it was the news. Exa- oh, grandparents' house, huh? Wow. That's where we watch this. Old person show. Exactly. Theory, remember? <laughs> so let me go through a few of these here with you. She was a contestant on The Price is Right. Vanna White was born Vanna Marie Rosich in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. After attending the Atlanta School of Fashion, she changed her name to White, began modeling, and auditioned for a series of movies, including one notable role in 1981, Looker, opposite Albert Finney. During the time, she also managed to snag an appearance on the contestant as The Price is Right of that show. Unfortunately, she didn't win anything, but her background in modeling, performing, and game shows came in handy for her 1982 Wheel of Fortune audition, where producers picked her out of 200 possible candidates. That's pretty crazy. Another one, she's worn over 6,700 gowns on the show. Wow. Yeah, she does. She But never up. gets to keep them. What? So yeah. they just get a gown from a fashion designer, she wears it, and then gives it back. 6,700 gowns. Wow. That's nuts. Um... <laughs> they tried to replace her with a Vanamania, which is a, a robot. <laughs> so she sued the company and, and about replacing her with a robot, which obviously wouldn't hate to pay him. So, and she won and kept her job. Wait, you can sue someone for making a robot version of yourself? Well, and it's, yeah, to take your job, I guess. Why like not? If, like That's... if Chris made a robot to do your job, you could probably sue him over that, I guess. 
Right. I guess. Thanks for <laughs> revealing my plan. Yeah. <laughs> Your dastardly plan, Sebastian. Uh, she only works four days a month. That's awesome. They only work four days a month I want because that they job. film they film six shows in that day and six times twenty four, that gives you enough to cover all the weeknight they film shows. Six shows in a day? Right. Sorry to six, spoil twelve, everything. eighteen, twenty four. Right. Day, w- 24 shows then? In four days. I would do that. And that's enough to cover the month of shows because generally you're wa- only need about 20, 21 shows in a month. Do they sleep? To literally walk across the stage and hit a button. To say, <laughs> it's a vowel. She has her own line of yarn. And this is one of my favorites. She made the Guinness Book of World Records for clapping. What? Has anyone clapped more than Vanna White? <laughs> Guinness doesn't think so. The respected world record curators have declared White the most frequent clapper in history. I'm going to break that record. Estimating she's <laughs> clapped more than 3.4 million times. The only way they could do that is watch one show, count how many times she clapped, uh, and multiply it by the number of shows. I'm I, guessing. I guess it would be something you'd have to – that would be recorded. That's, uh, yeah. that's why they know. The award was bestowed on her on a May 2013 broadcast of Wheel, meaning she had over five years to add to the total. Guinness figures the claps – an average of 600 times per show. There's the math. Person that has breathed the most on the earth. She should get that award too, yeah. I guess. Well, we're going to take Why a quick not? break. When we come back, we're going to talk about... Wouldn't that just be the oldest person? <laughs> I guess it probably yeah. would be. <laughs> I don't, Chris, I don't your logic. <laughs> so funny. We have, we have, we're going to run our own little game show when we come back about the worst answers on the family feud and we're also going to recap our vacation stay tuned we'll be right back after the short break With some more Live Till 5, we have four of us here in the radio station. Uh, Myself, Lawrence Nangast, and my wife, Lindsay, Sebastian, and Chris are joining us as well. Uh, Just trying to fill the shoes of Jared, fill the seat of Jared. Uh, He will be back with us next week. And uh, if you've missed any part of the shows, you can pick it up tomorrow uh, from noon to 2 or Sunday night as well. But uh, if you're just joining, we started this hour talking about our theme, Game Shows. And uh, just bringing that topic up for those that like them, uh, there's a lot to discuss, uh, whether it be from our childhood. We talked about Legends of the Hidden Temple and Double Dare and just watching The Price is Right at your grandparents' house, mm-hmm. <laughs> as I did. Um, but then we started talking a little bit about Vanna White, and I'm going to talk about some facts, of uh, a few facts of Jeopardy and a few facts of Wheel of Fortune. But before we get there... Uh, I wanted to ask these uh, family feud questions and see if the folks here that are with us in the radio station uh, would have anything crazier to say than the ones that have been recorded on the actual show for some of these questions. So if you've never seen Family Feud, it's usually we surveyed 100 people and the answer, the top five, the top four, top three answers are on the board. 
and they have to go through and try to guess what they are for a certain question. Well, some of these questions <laughs> are, are, are good questions. But then the folks that come up with these answers, and my favorite part about Family Feud, I think my favorite part, is, is no matter how ridiculous the question, then no matter how ridiculous the answer, everybody's just clapping. Like, they're yes. just so pumped yeah. for whatever answer was given. Like, that's got to be up there. And they all just start clapping as, you know, as a family. Encouragement. Yeah. And it's just like, did, did you all hear what that person just said? I like, like Steve Harvey's face when he I reacts. Too. Yeah. <laughs> this is Family Feud, right? Yeah. yeah. He just doesn't even try to hide it. If it's that bad, he I just... I had a friend who went on Family Feud. Really? Yeah. How'd it go? Did they win? I can't remember because I didn't watch. Yeah. Because I don't have cable. Oh, oh! Is it recently? Uh, it was. It was like a a, a year or two ago. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to ask some questions. We'll go through about ten, oh, and um, and you guys just go ahead and give an answer of of what you'd think if you were going to be buzzing in on the Family Feud. We're not going to play it game, sto- game show style here. We're just going to have some fun with it. But uh, and then I'll give the answer that was given on the show itself. So name a reason for kneeling. Pray. Pray. Tying your shoes. Tying your shoe, possibly. Possibly a proposal yes. uh, would be another reason. Yeah. Uh, they put to be beheaded. <laughs> Next <laughs> one. And That's terrible. I like it, though. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was yeah, going to exactly. say that. Yeah, as we talked about. If you're uh, Robespierre. Maximilian Robespierre, exactly. Uh, name a famous or fictional willy. Uh, free willy. Free willy. Willy sure, Wonka. Uh, Willy Wonka, there he is. Willie Mays Hayes. There we go. Okay, they're famous or fictional. And they said Willie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Willie the Pooh. Good old Willie the Pooh. I don't know if they the or if their entire life they grew up with Willie the Pooh. That's terrible. <laughs> because, yeah, anyways. Although I no would become. think that probably. That would be something I would The original think. name was Winifred the Bear, right? In the Winifred, London, yeah. They're, they're coming out with the, yeah, the live idea. Winnie the yeah. Pooh or the, the, the Robin Hood. Yeah. And not Robin Hood. Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin. Robin Hood, yes. Yikes. Okay. Name a boy mentioned in nursery rhymes. Tom Thumb. Okay. Tom Thumb. Chris would have beat us on the buzzer to this. Little boy Blue who jumped over the... Yeah. Jack. No, you got two different things. (laughs) Yeah. Little boy Blue, of course. Little boy Blue. (laughs) Sitting in the corner with Jack Horner. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. And they said Little Red Riding Hood. I kind oh. of had that not right away. Who no, jumped over not. the moon? The cow. Oh, the cow jumped <laughs> over the moon. <laughs> I, I don't know my nursery. Sorry. Nice. It was the cow. The cow jumped over the moon. Okay. Name something you hit when it's not working. Soundboard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In, in our case, today, yeah. Is, yeah. Or actually, yeah. my car, my car, my car, <laughs> Your car. Uh, my car, uh, what's the thing? The, the hood? The, it's right in front of you. The, the dashboard. Console. Yeah, the dashboard. The dashboard, yeah. Yeah, I hit the dashboard when the mile per hour thing doesn't work. <laughs> and it, and it, oh, oh yeah, it, it does, it does. Yeah, their answer is your spouse. <laughs> no, so name the team when it's not, not working, good, your spouse. Not good, not um, good. <laughs> name a famous bridge. The London. London. Yeah. Ooh, same page. <laughs> uh, Mackinac for me. Yeah, the, like the the one in San Francisco. What is it called? Golden Gate. The Golden yeah. Gate Bridge. Their answer is the bridge over troubled water. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It is pretty famous. Yeah. Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. There you, there you go. Um, 
Name something slippery. Slime? Yeah. A slip and slide? Yeah, that's a slip and slide. (laughs) Their answer was a con man. Ooh. Ooh. And last one, name something orange. An orange. Good. Yeah. Like an a, orange. A, uh, a life life vest. A life vest. Tan uh, construction people. worker's vest. Sometimes. And their answer was a banana. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear Sebastian's answer? Did he say tan people? I said tan people sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the family feud answer was a banana. So oh, again, boy. yeah. It could be orange. Those, those answers. Um, I think sometimes you just kind of freak out. And so whatever comes out of your mouth is just there is like, a decent amount of pressure not... from your family to be successful. You have the you could be the third X that, that's about to happen. Well, you, you know what happens? They hit that buzzer before they're really ready yeah. to answer. Yeah, that's what happens. That's how it is in, in classes, isn't it? Like, what's the answer to? And everyone. Well, this is with kids, not teens. They don't yeah, raise their hands true. at all. But uh, kids. That's will just, true. What were you thinking? I, I wasn't. Yeah, uh, I did. <laughs> I just wanted to say something. Yeah. Um. Well, well, we're going to look at a few facts. I'm going to give about 10 facts uh, for Jeopardy. And then I have a few more facts about Wheel of Fortune later. Or no, The Price is Right is what I have. Uh, just in case you were really curious about these game shows and for your trivia later that you're going to be a part of. Uh, but Alex Trebek's first real name is George. Alexander is actually his middle name, hmm. uh, interestingly enough. He's Canadian. Fellow. He is. He is a yeah. Canadian. Uh, Trebek ran the Olympic torch through a leg of its journey to Atlanta before the 1996 Summer Olympics. Wow. Uh, I think this one's cool. He and Pat Sajak, host of Wheel of Fortune, traded places on April Fool's Day in 1997. Sajak hosted Jeopardy, and Trebek co-hosted Wheel of Fortune with Sajak's wife, Leslie. That is funny. Yeah, I would have liked to see that I'd like to see that, yeah. It would have been very uh, um, interesting. Trebek claims to own about 100 suits. I can imagine. That's a full closet. A hundred yeah. suits. That is more than a full closet. Depending on how big your closet is. <laughs> Trebek's closet. <laughs> not my closet. I wonder I wonder if most of it's not at the at the um, studio. studio. Sure. Uh, yeah. Maybe. We we store most of our suits here at the KHMG studio. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. we dress up for this show. <laughs> uh, his favorite sport to play is hockey, but he oddly claims to have given up the sport after shaving his mustache. What? I, I don't know why those two things are together, but um, but interestingly enough, that's what he says. He claims. Can you still play hockey? No, I've shaved my mustache. Yeah, I'm afraid sorry. I can't. My skates are rusty. Yeah. Uh, when Trebek isn't busy hosting, he spends time building things for his home and fixing his many sprinklers. Wow. I bet he has a pretty decent home. Uh, he speaks 17 languages. What? But only English and French fluently. So That's incredible. I don't know if saying hola, I could say I speak Spanish. Or what kind of level he's at with those 17 language, but that's a lot. If you're going to claim that you can speak 17 languages, then you probably can speak the a basics. A decent amount of them, yeah. Like, of a lot of languages. hello, goodbye, how are you? That's still 17 languages. I couldn't think of hello and goodbye in five right now. I know. That's impressive. So, uh, Speaking of the mustache, Trebek shaved the mustache he had worn for more than 30 years after a spur-of-the-moment decision in 2001. That's how iconic the mustache was. He wore the mustache. Is that how? He, that's what you did. Is that how you say it? I yeah. think it sounds you weird. You wear a beard, don't you? I I have a beard. I don't mm. wear. It sounds mm. like it's fake. I don't have a fake beard. No, I know. <laughs> Though Trebek appears to jot down notes after reading each clue, he's actually crossing off each clue to keep himself from rereading it in error. 
Mm, those you always wondered. Uh, last one here. Jeopardy is the number two game show series in syndication. Jeopardy averages 25 million viewers per week. That's amazing. Uh, that's a lot. There, There is a ton of other um, facts here about Jeopardy if you're interested in getting those. But uh, while, while I'm on facts of shows, let me go ahead and give you about five or six of Wheel of Fortune. And... Uh, and then we'll take a, a break and come back and, and um, finish some things. So, for one, the show's ratings improved when Bob Barker went gray. I didn't know that was a choice. Uh, he said he was prematurely gray. Barker told the Los Angeles Times, began to gray at my temples, and I guess it could be that the technology at the time was what? not what it was today. But I think you said Wheel good. of Fortune, but you... but. Oh, I'm sorry. But price it's is price right. is right. The price is right. That's yeah, what was confused that confused us. everybody? No, I'm, I don't oh. understand. Gray? His, his hair. hair. When his hair was going gray, his ratings went up? Is that yeah. what I'm understanding? He was more respected as a person. An elder. That's generally how it goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I don't know. Uh, and that's num- the only theory I have right there. That's it. Number four, um, winners have to pay taxes on their prizes. Yep. But I do think that's true across the board. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you win, you have to pay Olympics, taxes. that's a big thing. Because yeah. if you win a gold, you have to pay a lot of money to bring it home. One guy said he, he wow. won 57000 in prizes, $57,000 in prizes, but had to pay close to twenty k in taxes. Another contestant turned down his $10,000 cash because he didn't want to give half to his ex-wife. Oh, wow. Yikes. Uh, one time a contestant, um, oh, sorry, one time a camera knocked uh, somebody out and ruined her career, um, knocked a lady out and and she couldn't work for well, a while like and lost her job. The camera whipped around real fast and <laughs> yeah. hit her in the head or something? Ouch. Yes. And, and, uh, and I think she lost her job from, from lack of being able to work. Um, so that, yeah, that's, uh, terrifying. That's pretty crazy. Uh, and lastly here, Carey, as in Drew Carey, who hosts it now, wasn't the only person angling for Barker's job. Uh, for 10 years, he's been doing it for 10 years. He wasn't the only person being considered to replace Barker. Among the other possible contenders was George Hamilton, Mario Lopez, and John O'Hurley. Um, I only know of one of those guys. I don't know any of them. And and lastly... <laughs> Thank <in> you. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So anyways... This is a um, this is quite the stat sheet here, but again, reading stats all day is is not the most exciting thing. So, if it, if you got you excited or wanted to know more about either the Price is Right, Jeopardy, or the Wheel of Fortune, uh, you can take a look at those online. There is a ton listed there for you. Uh, we are going to take a short break. When we come back, we are going to look at a few game show stories worth retelling. We're going to finish up talking about our vacation, and we may even get to talking about who owns the moon. So stay tuned. You're listening to Live Till 5, July 27th. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. And we're back. It's live till 5 on this Friday afternoon. Beautiful Friday afternoon. And we've been with you for a little over an hour and a half now. uh, Talking about all sorts of different things. uh, Whether it be uh, game shows in this hour. Or why or how America could have had elephants 
in our country back in the 1860s. Talked about a man who had a side job of, of fajita dealing up to $1.2 million. So we've been all over the place today with a lot of exciting things we've discussed. Um, but if you're just joining with us, this is Live Till 5. I'm Lawrence Nangast, standing in for, or sitting in for Jared Baldwin. We'll be back next week. And uh, and so before we get to finish up our our game show discussion, which we've almost exhausted it, uh, I wanted to talk with Lindsay a little bit about the last few days of our vacation coming out. Because, Lindsay, I talked at the beginning of the show about how um, – the new staff and returning staff that have been on summer vacation are coming out this weekend, most of them, mm-hmm. or, or the beginning of next week, and uh, how vacation can be so great and traveling even can be so great when everything goes well. Right. But then <laughs> then when it doesn't, um, it, just, it just becomes a little bit more of a burden uh, to do the actual traveling. So we got through pretty much our time in, in Pittsburgh, and uh, then we were on our way back. And what I had done when I booked these tickets was, I don't know, my, 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 my sweet spot for trying to get airport layovers is about two to four hours. Anything less than two can be a bit of a rush, depending on the airport. Anything more than four, that gets a little bit long, you know, and it can uh, get real long. But two to four is the time where I'm like, that gets you enough time to get some, some food, to stretch, to walk around a little bit. And by the time you just kind of get a little bit antsy, it's time to, to load up. So that's my sweet spot. All of our layovers on this flight or these flights this last June were like an hour. Yeah. So or less. So um, let's talk through just our trip out here. So we have new staff. We have returning staff come back from summer that are about to embark on their on their journey back to Guam. And uh, what was ours like? So we got to Pittsburgh. Well, I think... The reason why you booked it the way you did was because you did not want my family to have to drive early right. in the morning. Right. So you were trying to be considerate of them. It was an 11 o'clock departure. Yeah, it was an 11, 11 o'clock, o'clock departure. departure. So you were trying to be considerate of them and not having to drop us off in the wee hours of the morning. Which so, is nice. Which was nice, but that yeah, the, also... The whole thing up until our departure in, in PA was really nice. I mean, we had a rise and shine at 8 o'clock, uh, got packed up. And left for the airport about nine. Yeah, it was awesome. And eight thirty. Yeah, it was a real nice morning. But and then we got to Pittsburgh, <laughs> and realized that our flight was not going to be there. Yeah. And then our plane was delayed because it was coming from Chicago at the time, and got there late. And we were asking the lady, "We have forty-five minutes of a layover. That was to start. We had a forty-five-minute layover in Chicago. That was it to get on our flight to go to Tokyo, and." Without anything crazy happening, most international flights run on time. Which, and I'm going to be honest, the 45-minute layover was already giving me anxiety because I don't like to fly. And I like to have as much time on the ground as I possibly can have. So I wasn't really thrilled about the fact that we were getting off a plane to get back on a plane. To me, it's get this thing over as as soon yeah. as possible, or so help me. We are so opposite in that. Yes, so opposite. Yeah, Lindsay's like, let's make three days of it, and yeah. I'm like, you better be, <laughs> you got to be kidding. So we're in Pittsburgh, and they're like, yeah, it's running late. Sorry, uh, you know, not a whole lot we can do. We're like, okay, well, we'll stick with this because we we were really wanting to push for maybe can we get a, a change in Chicago right now. Lindsay's like, I think you'll make it. Well, we actually left, and if it, because of the hour time change, you get an extra hour. So our flight from Pittsburgh was supposed to leave at 11, and our flight from Chicago was supposed to leave at like 1245. 
with the extra hour in there, you end up with about an hour and a half flight plus 45 minutes ish. And that gets you, that's, that was our time. Well, we left an hour late. Well, there went our 45 minutes. So we, <laughs> we actually show up and get into our gate. Lindsay and I just grab whatever bag was near us, yeah. start running out of the plane. Well, and the people, there were so many people on that flight that were trying to connect to international flights. So not, that whole flight was pretty much international connections, not domestic. So everybody's running out of so the plane, basically. everybody's booking it out. And here I am. And so I'm, Lin, Linz has the four-wheeler suitcase who she can't get to go straight. No, it literally was doing circles. I was just it, yeah, dragging it, it, tripping people. I was tripping over people. So Lawrence we were six gates down. Ahead. We were six I, gates terrible. down. Well, because I figured if I could get there and say, hey, you know, my wife's coming, wait. And she's just like... <laughs> oh, <laughs> Bad. Couldn't get the suitcase to cooperate. Needless to say, I round the corner for the gate, and there our plane is backing away from the. Mm. Isn't term- that? Have you ever had that, Chris? Where you literally watch your plane leave, and you're just going. Yeah, but it wasn't that close. I mean, I saw it out there. Yeah. It was already it was, ready. It to was. Go. I could yeah. see the. We pilot. watched the gate yeah. pull away and the plane leave, and we were just like, "Come back!" Yeah. Although Lindsay deep down, secretly going, was like, "This yes. is awesome." <laughs> I don't have to fly. I was fine. He was not. I was okay. I was, I was ticked. Yeah, so I was not okay. then I went over to the lady and I was like, all right, what can you offer us? And she's like, well, the next flight can take you down to Houston, then to Hawaii, then to Guam. I said, that's not happening. I said, I'm not going to Hawaii. I'm not going to Houston. I'm not going to another domestic airport today. I said, I'd, I'd just like to go to Tokyo. When's the next flight? Tomorrow. Yeah. So... That that was the end of that discussion. I said, we're, we're going to do that 24 hours later. Same flight, 24 hours later. So then we get a night stay Because in it was united. It was, it was their fault. Their fault. We got they vouchers. They gave us vouchers and, so, and meal, meal vouchers and a night stay. So yep. it was really actually nice. And it was our anniversary. It was. Great. It was, it was yeah. our wedding It was all working out, except for the fact that we weren't on our way to Tokyo. But it was all working out. <laughs> so we go down, get I in the hotel. I kept telling him. It's the glass half full. Yes. Right. Not empty. It was and really mine, nice. Mine was completely empty. There wasn't even a half full or a yeah. half empty. There was so nothing in there. There was, <laughs> not, it was a, no it was moisture. Not a drop to drink. <laughs> yeah. So we go over to the hotel. We get in there. You know, it all works out. Okay. No, the Wi-Fi is not working. So grumble, grumble. We go down and get a nice lunch at the at the uh, restaurant in the hotel. The World Cup's on. So that was good. They had Great. two TVs with the two different games going on. By this point, it was in the round play where they were playing at the same time. So you had yeah. two different games on. That was cool. Well, then we go back up, and I was like, Linz, I'm exhausted. Let's take a nap. She's like, we're in Chicago, and you're going to nap? And I was like, yep, I'm napping. So I fell asleep. I woke up later, and Lindsay, by this point, is thinking, we're not doing anything. We're not going anywhere. We're going to stay here, and I'm going to be so mad. Well, I had that thought. I was like, I'll just order some really good pizza, and we'll just kind of stay here tonight. And well, that I, that was what I was battling with, but I had already secretly made reservations for a really nice restaurant on the 95th floor of a building downtown. Oh, good. Yeah. Because and it was at our anniversary. So yes. I was like, this will be it. This will be our anniversary meal. And mind you, um, one thing I've learned to do, but to ha- never have done besides this last trip was I never put like spare clothes or like anything to like, in case this were to happen, sure. I never do that in my carry on. It's usually a pillow and like stuff to read or whatever. So this trip, because we were so packed in all of our luggage, I had to, I was forced to put stuff into my carry on. So 
I had everything I would have needed. It was just really neat to see how the Lord had already worked out all that those small stuff. details that sure. we had stuff. We didn't have to buy anything. So that was kind of neat to see. But we did end up going into Chicago that evening. Yep. We got on the train and, and rode down there. And then we got out and we started booking it, you know, around these places because I wanted to get to see, have her see these places. She'd never been there. I'd been to Chicago before before our reservation, which was actually at nine o'clock, but (laughs) she had packed these nicer pair of shoes. Brand new. Yeah. Brand new that she'd never worn before. They're, they're kind of, they're a nice looking shoe. They just, (laughs) they just sort of slip on your foot, but they look comfy. Yeah, they should be. They're not. But then we go from (laughs) one block from the train station towards Millennium Park and already she's like, "Mm, my heels hurt a little bit. Could we stop at a, at, at a Rite Aid, Walgreens, something, and get Band-Aids? I was like, sure. All right, it's two more blocks down here on the right. So we go walking. By the time we get there, already the skin's broken, and I'm yeah. like, this the, is the longest night the of our lives about to happen. The heel of the shoe was just full yeah. of blood. It was yeah. like, Okay, I'm, okay. Oh, we, tactful on the radio. <laughs> Good night. So we get into the Walgreens, <laughs> and we buy, we buy this box of Band-Aids. That are not just like the little dot band-aids you put on like, you know, a yeah. little sore. They're like the full, you just fell off a skateboard and busted your knee band-aids yeah. that we now have in our possession. Okay, so a bottle of water and a box of band-aids. So we go back out and we're going to the Millennium Park to see the bean, all right? So by the time we cross the street, we already have one band-aid on each heel, all right? We're good for another 100 steps. We get to the bean, we're taking pictures, you know, all is good. By the time we round out Millennium Park and get going down the hill towards the Navy Pier... I look down, both the Band-Aids are just not doing their job anymore. So we bust out the bags, b- box of Band-Aids. This time we double up. So there's up to three Band-Aids now on our heels each, plus the shoes. We're like, we're going to get there somehow. We go down, do some Navy Pier, walk around down there, and then I let her know we have reservations over here at this building, so we need to walk now from Navy Pier over to the building, which is about a half mile. Throw another Band-Aid on there. We're up to four band-aids on each heel. It's it's like thick back there. But hey, we had to get there. It did the job. So we go, get in an elevator, 95 floors up, beautiful, uh, beautiful um, scenery at mm. night. Uh, awesome. You could see the lake and everything else. And, um, and so we had dinner and then got an Uber, of course, because I was not about to walk back no. to the train and try to do all that. So we got an Uber, 25 bucks back out to the airport, which is pretty good. Have you ever um, done Uber, Chris? I tried to in Uh-oh. Honolulu one time, but uh, despite what GTA says, my phone won't work in Hawaii. Oh, really? Thank you for your website being wrong, GTA. Oh, but, perfect. Uh, anyway. Yeah, the, yeah. shout out yeah, to GTA. Yeah. <laughs> so ours, we I got a Uber, an Uber, and it's about 50 bucks by cab, and it's only 25 by Uber, so it actually was really nice. Went back out, and then the next morning, flew out to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Last part of this story. We're on the plane. And Lens, as much as you don't really want to talk about it, how was the landing in Tokyo? Terrifying. Yeah? What was the worst part? So, okay, so a lot of the time <laughs> when we fly, I need like the most perfect flights of all time or else I'm a panicked. You're, you're just scared. Things oh. that don't yeah. exist. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Is what she needs. Yes. So like there turbulent was free Turbulent flights. free, oh, okay. can't feel gotcha. like you're on a plane okay. sort of flight. Yeah. Gotcha. Anything above that or below that, I don't know which you one. You know, kind right. of the Buick Roadmaster 
Yeah, I they just kind of hovers stone hovers above yep. the road. Anything, That's the kind of flights we're talking about. Anything that is not that, I just freak out. So this flight was pretty pretty smooth, and then once we got to Japan, they were having such strong winds. Yeah. It, the weather was Those beautiful. Storms. No, it was actually the weather was absolutely was, beautiful. Oh, they were having gusts of like fifty five mile hour. Yeah, it wasn't or rainy or cloudy. It, it was, was just beautiful. really windy. Really windy. Okay, so we circled. Tokyo, the airport. Mm-hmm. Or this is airport. the week before the storm. Oh, the week before this is, the storm. This is the end okay, of June. Gotcha. We circled that airport for an hour, and I was, I was going crazy. Most planes, crazy. most planes that were even our size of plane and smaller were diverting to other airports because they just couldn't land in a Like Osaka or something. Yes, or, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a couple of them in the area. Well, we just kind of hovered. By this point, flying from Chicago to Narita, you've been in the airplane. 13 hours, 12 at least, Yeah. and another hour of just seeing, See, I was watching the map, you know the map? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm glued to that, because every time we'd come towards the airport, like be the plane was directed that way, I'd be like, okay, this could be it, and I'd start listening for like the, you know how it kind of gets that extra speed, or, yep. or it revs up a little bit to go on for, nope, and we'd be going away from the airport. We did that at least six or seven times. Wow. And so, by this point, Lindsay's... In a, in a tizzy in her seat. Well, the pilots had the flight attendants sit in their seats, <laughs> which I never like. That anytime that happens, you're just like, oh no. Yeah. And then the pilot comes on, and I think that sometimes they're just so used to this sort of thing that they're not really thinking like the person in the back. The that's person in the back, unused me, to it, who's yeah. freaking out like every word. I'm like literally glued to the speaker yeah. when the pilot comes yeah. on. I'm glued to the speaker. Like, don't talk to me. Yeah. I don't want to hear any. Yeah, voice. I have to be quiet. I have to. Yeah, he does. He has to stop talking. Because I have to hear what the pilot's going to say. He comes on. He's telling us about the conditions of the weather. And he's just saying, I hope we have an uneventful landing. Yeah. Well, is that, that was what you want to hear when you're about to land? That was all it took. Look, I trust That him. was it. Yep, me too. Nope. Me too. Do? For Lindsay, it was like, he's a oh, going to die. Lawrence, this could be our last minutes <laughs> together. He's a, he's a professional. Yeah, he's exactly. going to get us there if he can. So if he can't, you know, long story we're short, not going to know anything about it. As far as an hour of doing that. The guy just basically slammed the plane down through the gusts. It was pretty intense, but it was a pretty smooth it touchdown. It was a smooth touchdown. For being a bit of a rocky landing yeah, motion. sure. But anyways, so we get there. Lindsay was kissing the ground. I, I thought I was going to have to look for a short-time um, apartment rental because I thought she might be living there and not I get on a plane I did tell him I'm not leaving. Yeah. This is it. But I'm the done. Lord gave us the smoothest flight I've had in a long time down to Guam yes. where there was not a, a, a bit of turbulence. It was you amazing. You almost didn't feel like you were in a plane. Yep. And you sometimes oh. didn't even hear the engine. You're just like, are we still moving? Yep. I, I like to hear the engine. I do too. <laughs> that part I like. That's peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we're not just gliding. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, the Lord gave us a smooth flight there, and we got in here, and, and we haven't flown since. And Lindsay's not in a rush, but nor no. ever is. But um, anyways, it is part of our life to be flying out here. So that was the rest of our vacation that we didn't tell two weeks ago. So we just wanted to catch everybody up that was with bated breath waiting for 14 days for that story, I tell you what. Uh, but what we're going to do here is take a quick break, and I'm going to come back with some thoughts before the weekend. And uh, we'll talk about uh, what's going on here at Harvest, what we're doing this weekend, and uh, and close out the show. You've been listening to Live Till 5. Thanks for joining us this Friday afternoon. We'll finish the show in a second.
And we're back to wrap up this episode. Episode actually 274. I think that has to be on record. The latest the number of episodes has been said in this show. Uh, usually Jared opens with that. But this has been episode 274 of Live Till 5. And I hope you've had as good a time uh, with us today as we have. Uh, it's always uh, enjoyable to come up and just talk about different things and different topics. Um, but as we close the show, as we do normally in this fashion, uh, for one, uh, we'd like to invite you to church uh, this Sunday. Pastor's speaking, I believe, from John 15 on, on cultivating uh, the heart. And this is a great time to do so uh, in the summer as it comes to a close is, close is to, um, to, to do that. To work on preparing your heart for a new year, specifically as mentioned earlier in education, it's it's this time of year we think about new. Uh, we think about off with the old, on with the new, as far as the school year and education goes. But he'll be speaking on that, and uh, we'll still be in our summer mode as far as our schedule goes, uh, with a combined Sunday school and things like that for the adults. But then I do believe in a couple weeks we'll be uh, shifting into our uh, year schedule. Uh, where we have the multiple different Sunday schools and uh, all those sorts of things, but uh, we do enjoy. Uh, we do hope you join us uh, for those of you listening. Uh, Sunday morning at nine thirty Sunday school, ten thirty regular service, and six o'clock on Sunday night. But uh, one thing that uh, the Lord has brought to my attention this this summer specifically has been how um, how important it is to rely on his plan and his will and way for things and not just try and figure it out all on our own and think we know best. And that sometimes happens softly. Like you're, you know, yeah, that was, that was good. I I listened and obeyed there. And then other times it's a little bit more abrupt, like, man, I think this is how it should be done. And and the Lord's like, nope. Uh, And so this verse here, I I shared with the staff a few days ago, Uh, it's found in Isaiah chapter 55. But it says uh, in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, These are good reminders of the fact that, first of all, we do have uh, a Lord who's sovereign, God who's sovereign, and has a plan for each of us. And I think about coming into this new school year is, is as we have... Um, many, many students coming from multiple countries uh, and from our own island uh, that attend here at Harvest that he knew exactly uh, when we ended last year who would be here this year and who has been able to move from uh, countries to come here and be a part of Harvest and uh, what teachers and staff are going to be a part of this year and the training and, and growing of these students both academically and spiritually. And, uh, and then also he already has plans for the different trials that we're going to walk through and how to how to navigate those. And uh, again, I just learn more every day. That it just leave it up to the Lord uh, and trust him uh, that his way and his will is going to be uh, perfect. And it may not be ours, um, but it will be the right one. And, uh, and that's the, where the learning comes in uh, for each of us is to accept that as the, as the perfect will for our life. So all sorts of scenarios go through my mind. I know I didn't allude to anything specific, but um, all sorts of things come to mind when it comes to um, the, this thought, it is to be flexible and to keep loose hands on the things we have and the things we plan, is that it could change, and, and, not, and to expect that. And when it doesn't, and it goes according to plan, uh, then it, it's awesome. 
but when it doesn't, you know the Lord has something better. And, uh, and so that's that, having loose hands on things, on plans, is one of the greatest lessons I probably learned this summer. And, um, and it's, it's, I won't say it's always easy, but it's um, better uh, that way. So that that's my thought for and challenge for this afternoon. I know we try to leave you each week with something to think about. Um, but as we go into the weekend, um, Chris, what do you have uh, planned for you and the fam uh, this weekend? Well, I'm just I'm just coming off vacation, but I didn't spend the whole vacation with the family. So I'm going to still try to spend some family time this weekend because sure. we didn't get to do that as much as I would have liked. Although I was spending time, time with other family uh, going back to Spokane. I talked about that last week from my father's memorial service. But uh, yeah, just going to try to spend some family yeah. time. Yeah, it's good to get it in now because like I said, with August coming up quickly, uh, your schedule heats up and, as well as yeah. the kids eventually there in a couple of weeks with school. Uh, for me, I, I, um, I'm actually going to try to paint and redo the flooring in another one of the bedrooms I have. Uh, I did our own and now I'm going to try to do another one possibly tomorrow. I have it almost cleared out and then I'm going to tear the carpet out and, and put uh, some new flooring in and, and new coat of paint because it needs it badly. But uh, that's kind of my plan for tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Hopefully I get it done. Because uh, starting Monday, uh, for me, it uh, gets real serious with with uh, the new staff coming in and all that. So this has been an awesome two hours being with you on Live Till 5. Thank you for tuning in for any part of it. Uh, you've been listening to Live Till 5 on 88.1 KHMG, Harvest Family Radio. Uh, we'll look forward to being back next week with Jared and some of our other guests. But uh, have a great weekend. Be in the Lord's house if you can on Sunday. Uh, have a great night.